Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, John Coleman. JC. Well, you said your full name, so I felt obligated to say mine. Yeah, why not? JC, D.O., John, John Coleman, Coleman does. Dustin Owen. Yeah, hey, it works, right? Yes, it does. It works. Yes. Friends, parents, yep. in-laws, outlaws. All the way there. All the way there. We got all the bases covered. Yes. Speaking of covering the bases. Yes. What do you want to talk about today? I don't know. I think you know, because uh, I think a listener slash viewer reached out to you and had a question, so here we are. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, uh, Josh up in Tallahassee, Florida. I said up in Tallahassee, Florida. I guess if you're living in California, it's over. over. Yeah. yeah, like hop on I-10 and just go east. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it's like hop on 75 and head north. Correct. Uh, but no, Josh in, in, in Tallahassee reached out and goes, hey, I know you and JC have done a good job of doing shows on budgeting. You've had guys on the show like uh, Kyle Scholl, mm-hmm. Kay Scholl. By the way, check out his YouTube channel. Shout out Kay Scholl. Yeah, Kay Scholl's YouTube channel is blowing up. Blowing up. Yeah, he's doing really good things on that. Um, we've had Rob Farragher, like mm-hmm. one of our first guests ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who else did we bring on? We had um, Todd Bryant came Todd, on. Yep. Uh, then we've done shows, budgeting, personal finance, et cetera. But Josh is like, hey. I kind of need a refresher. Mm-hmm. I know you've done shows on it, but I'd almost prefer you to do another show. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, look, I had my best year ever. Mm-hmm. So this is some of the stuff I should be practicing because I actually have money now. Mm-hmm. And I also, Josh is in the mortgage business. So he's like, I need it personally, but I also need it like, how do I talk to my clients about like just basic personal finance things? Yeah. So I got to thinking and you and I got to talk and I'm like, you know, it's funny. I've said this on this show multiple times. I'm like, oh, I'm not a financial advisor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> yeah. Now, that came from like years and years of me telling borrowers or clients, hey, John, look, I'm getting ready to spill, you know, drop some knowledge on you. Please know I'm not a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. I play one on TV. Wink, wink, nod, mm-hmm. nod. Mm-hmm. And it's carried over into the show, but I would have to tell people I'm not a financial advisor, but like I do know three or four of them. Yeah. I am a very inquisitive person. I am a, a master networker, meaning I get out and have beers and break bread with people. Correct. So anything I'm going to I'm going to tell you is not because I'm smart and it's not because I'm I'm skilled in this. It's just because I've picked it up along the way. Yeah. So these are like basic practices. Mm-hmm. But what I found as an originator is a I became really good with my own personal finances mm-hmm. just from all of that networking I was doing yep. and my client experience, my borrower experience was just much different mm. than what that client got if they called their bank, their credit union, or the uh, consumer direct lender that they either saw the TV ad for yeah. or they found online. Yep. So I think that's what Josh was getting at. So Josh, this is dedicated to you yep. and anyone else who who, who want to know. We're kind of going to jump into, and I don't, I don't know what you'll call it. I'll let you get creative with it, John, but like something along the lines of how to talk to your borrowers mm-hmm. or how to talk to your clients about personal finance. Sounds great to me. Okay. Yeah, that's literally it. Before we get started, because I know that you've done quite a bit of learning over the yeah. past year of doing this show, mm-hmm. um, any things on your end that you want to make sure that I cover just because it's going to work for John Coleman? Um, I'll, get, I'll throw a challenge. This is something that stuck with me. Um, sometimes the best purchase is the one you don't make. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if you can dive on that because I'm always so like, oh, what can I buy? What can I buy? But sometimes the best purchase you can make is the one that you actually don't buy. So yeah, that's almost like a whole like we uh, needs versus want correct uh, aspect. Correct. Um, okay. I'll see if I can tie that in. Yeah, that's weird. You know me. You asked me. I threw it out there. Yeah. No, I I, I appreciate <laughs> it. No, like w- when I think about talking to borrowers, and we'll start there, yeah. and then what I what I will do is I'll I'll weave in what you asked me to weave in, and also weave in some of the the, the personal just hey. 
I'm a loan officer or I'm a sales professional, I'm making good money, mm -hmm. but maybe I'm not making good money choices. Yes. Then we'll, we'll be sure that we talk about that. Very cool. Um, but I think first and foremost, as a mortgage loan originator, if you want to be above average, if you want to be a, a one percenter, I think you have to take a consultative approach. We talk about that all the time on this show. And what does that mean? It's looking at your client's total financial picture and asking all the right questions in order to lead your client down the path that they're going to end up in the best financial situation. Mm -hmm. Now, this is really easy to do in today's day and age with cash out refinances. So with a cash out refinance, a client calls you and you look at their situation in their mind, what they're thinking is, hey, my current rate is four. I want to get it down to three. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you pull up their, their, their credit report and when you, when you talk to them about their assets, you realize that these people, they don't really have six months reserve. Mm -hmm. These people um, are carrying fifteen to $25,000 in credit card debt. Mm. They may also have just purchased an expedition that's financed for 72 months, maybe even 84 months. What? Yeah. But the one thing they did do is they bought their house 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and they have $180,000 worth of equity. Mm -hmm. Now, you also, just by being inquisitive by nature and asking them things like, um, I don't know, how much do you have in your 401k? How about your IRA? And you're realizing they don't really have a 401k. They don't really have an IRA. And now you're taking their application. So one of the questions you have to ask them is about their household size. So mm -hmm. how many children do they have and right. the ages of their children? Yep. In conversation, I, as a mortgage professional, can ask them. I could ask you, John. Hey, John, I see that you have you know, two kids and they're five and they're seven. Have you and your wife sat down and ever discussed how you're going to prioritize their education after high school? Oh, uh, I don't think we've gotten there yet. No. Like, is that something that you guys prioritize? Meaning it's something that if you had it your way, your kids are going go to go to college and you're going to pay for it. Or is it something that, you know what, if my kids go to college, that's fantastic, but I'm not feeling responsible to pay for it. Hmm. A lot of us parents, that is, mm -hmm. we have this crazy idea that it's on us to pay for our kids' college education. Yeah. So here's the first nugget I'm going to drop that correlates to anyone listening, not just loan officers. It's not on you to pay for your college education of your children or to pay for the college education of your children. Your children can get scholarship money to go to college. You can't get scholarship money to retire. Your children can get student loans to go to college. You can't get a student loan to retire. Yeah. Your kids can live with you at home. You can continue to pay for their groceries. They could continue to stay on your, on mm -hmm. your benefits and they could go to the local college to get their education mm -hmm. as a way to do so economically without them going into student loan debt. But you can't do these things in order to retire. Yeah. So the first question I asked many people, especially if I was going to put on my, I play a financial advisor on TV hat, mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, look, where does paying for your child's college education rank. And if it ranks high, why have you ever thought about why most of us? No, we just, I don't know. It was a I good just, idea. I just always thought about it. I yeah. just always, I don't know. I, just, I was born with it. I always knew my kid was going to go to college and we never really discussed it because that's just the way it was. Yeah. My parents couldn't pay for me. So I'm going to pay for them. And it's like, but what if that's a terrible financial decision? Hmm. Now, if it is a good financial decision, let me as your loan officer, maybe help you get to that path. 
Maybe I can, I can just educate you a little bit. The whole time I'm throwing out disclaimers. Hey, look, I'm not a financial advisor, but I do. I'm friends with three or four of them. I've read a couple of Dave Ramsey books. I've watched Susie Orman or listened to Clark mm -hmm. Howard. Like these are things that throughout my career I have picked up along the way. Let me expose you to them. And then if you like what I'm saying, maybe it'll promote you to go out on your own and speak to a professional, right? Yeah. So when I was talking about the, the cash out refinance, if, and this happens every single week, every single month, people come to us and they ask us to help them lower their monthly payment by a refinance. Uh -huh. But what we realize, if we look at their total situation, I could really put this person on the best path mm -hmm. by introducing them to a cash out refinance and not a cash out refinance so they can go to Hawaii, not a cash out refinance so they can go buy a new boat. Yeah. I'm talking about, Hey, look, I'm looking at your total financial picture. Mm -hmm. You're telling me you don't have six months reserve, which by the way, Josh and anyone listening, the first thing you need to do in order to get yourself on the right path of financial freedom is have six months cash reserve. Right, that's six months of your lifestyle. If you're a tobacco user, you budget in your tobacco user. Mm -hmm. If you're addicted to Starbucks, you you factor in that. But figure out what is your monthly budget, mm -hmm. like rent or housing, housing payment, food, mm -hmm. utilities, cell phone, everything. internet, yeah. like everything, yeah. including your tobacco habit, including your mm -hmm. Starbucks addiction, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting down with, let's say it's it's John Coleman who's in this particular situation, and you know you you owe one sixty, and your house is your house is worth. 400, mm -hmm. but you don't have six months reserve. You're in your late thirties, early forties, and you don't really have a 401k. You've never even heard of what an IRA is. Mm. You have $25,000 in credit card debt. Why shouldn't I at least introduce you to an opportunity? Hey, John, I can change your world. Mm. What if we, instead of me just lowering your rate from four to three, I'll lower your rate from four to three, but Let's go ahead and take out $25,000 of equity to pay off those credit cards. And let's go ahead and take off, take out another $25,000 of equity to give yourself six months reserve. Cause let's just say, Correct. you know, yeah. or $30,000, right? Yeah. So your, your bills are five grand a month. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of you borrowing where, uh, 180,000, now you're going to borrow 230,000 yeah. or 240,000. Your monthly payment is going to go down because of the lower interest rate, but it may go up because of the equity that we're taking out. Mm -hmm. But by me paying off yeah, that credit up. card, yeah. I'm actually going to help you increase, or should say, or increase how much money you have every month left yeah. over. I'm going to decrease your total monthly expenses. Yeah. Now, what you're going to do with this decrease in monthly expenses is what's going to get you on the right path to financial freedom. Mm -hmm. We're not going to take this, whatever it is, 400, 600, 800, in some cases, $1,200. And let me introduce you to someone that can open up a IRA for you and your wife. Because hmm, yeah. the, the, the U.S. government allows you to put $6,000 a year into an IRA. IRA, individual retirement account. There's Roth IRAs. There's traditional IRAs. There's qualifications for a Roth. That's why I'm like, and, and then there's the traditional has different qualifications. Right. But a Roth IRA is a, is a vehicle or an IRA is a vehicle for someone to save money, mm -hmm. sometimes pre-tax, sometimes post-tax, but it's going to grow tax-free that will grow over time to allow you to retire at 59 and a half or 67 and a half mm -hmm. debt-free because you're going to follow some other principles yeah. and wealthy. 
But if we as loan officers aren't walking people through it, then we're not separating ourselves from the competition. The competition being those that advertise on TV, those that are yeah. advertising on the internet, the, the, the consumer's bank or mm -hmm. credit union, right? So we have to have that opportunity. But if you don't know what an IRA is, how can you have that conversation? If you don't know that, you know, what the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, you need to check out Kay Scholl's YouTube yeah, video. Okay, yeah. Right? But like you can, without being a financial advisor, you can at least point your client in that direction. And when you do that, you add a lot more value, it sounds like. Because instead of just, hey, I, my client come in, came in, they wanted this rate, I'll do whatever it takes to get them this rate, they're happy. But then you can flip the screen and be like, yes, I get you that rate, but what if I put you on to XYZ? Well, correct. So you're now giving them an experience that's not about rate. Yeah. Look, whether your rate is 2.753 or three and a quarter, this client, man, you are blowing their mind. Yeah. You are making them think about things and exposing them to mm -hmm. topics that they otherwise weren't exposed to, yeah. no, they're going to be indebted to you for life. I mean, this, this, is, this is why I love the mortgage industry. This is what I grew and fell in love with was the opportunity to truly help people. Yeah. Like this profession allows loan officers to make a ton of money, but help yeah. tons of people yeah. and hopefully help tons of people become wealthier than they otherwise would have yeah. been had they not met Mm -hmm. that particular loan officer. For sure. But we have to be able to think in the, the right way. We have to know the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. We have to know what the maximum contribution is. Right? We have to understand, at a very surface level, the tax benefits of both. Mm -hmm. right? Now, if you get really geeky, you can even describe to someone about how you can do a backdoor Roth conversion. Hmm. I'm not going to dive down the rabbit hole, but just know this. If you make too much money, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. You have to contribute to a traditional IRA. Then if you make too much money, then you lose some of the benefits of a traditional IRA, but there's a loophole in the current tax plan, or I guess I'll call it a plan. Yeah, tax plan that would allow someone to contribute to a non-qualified traditional IRA and then convert it into a Roth. Mm -hmm. Again, you can do your own research on that. You can reach out to the, to the financial advisor of your choosing and your liking and talk to them about this. 401ks, let me talk about this because you know, not only are we trying to save people money, like not yeah. only are we trying to, to look, utilize their equity to put them on the path of financial freedom, mm -hmm. something I'm gonna to talk to that client about is, hey, look, I just saved you, or this refinance, I didn't do anything besides structure the loan and offer yeah. the ideas. This refinance just saved you $900 a month. This $900 a month can be broken out various ways. The first way I'm gonna tell you to break it out is does your employer offer a 401k? Usually the answer would be yes. Now, if you work for the government, it might be a 403b. 403b is very similar to a 401k. But if they offer a 401k, you need to contribute. Because a 401k comes off of your paycheck directly without you paying taxes on that money. So automatically, it's like, oh, yeah. If you go out and buy stocks, John, I don't know if you know this, but if you go out and buy stocks, what money do you use to buy stocks? Cash. Like, yeah, but cash that was direct deposited into your bank yeah. account after, yeah, after the government took their money. Correct. Okay. When you invest in your 401k, that money comes off of your paycheck, mm -hmm. and then what's left is what gets taxed. Gotcha. So when someone's contributing to 401k, they're, they're stripping a small portion of their paycheck off the top, mm -hmm. not letting the government get it. Mm -hmm. They're also not letting any, anyone else get it, including themselves. Yeah. It's a forced savings plan. Yeah. 
And most employers offer some form of a match, right? It's 50 cents on the dollar for the first 6%, dollar for dollar up to 3%, dollar for dollar up to 9%. Whatever your employers match, a great rule of thumb, you need to be contributing the maximum your employer is willing to match. So for example, if you're um, not of a special age, which I believe is like somewhere in your mid fifties, mm -hmm. the US government is gonna regulate how much money you and I can contribute into our 401k, mm -hmm. right? Years ago it was 16,000, then it grew to 17,000. I believe this year it's somewhere around 18 or $19,000, okay. all right? Now, it might not make sense for you to put $19,000 into a 401k, yeah. but if your employer is matching 50 cents on the dollar Damn, up to 6% six, six of your pay, yeah. at a minimum, put 6% of your pay into that 401k because your employer is going to give you 50 cents on that dollar, meaning it's a 50% return on your investment. Mm. Before the market goes up and down, usually up, on average, on average, the you know the the yeah. the, the, the U.S. equities market uh, increases in value, something like eight percent per year since the 1950s. On average, mm -hmm. um, it makes you know it, it just makes no sense. So for Josh, who's listening as as just an employee of another company who offers a 401k and a 401k match, yeah. hey Josh, first thing you need to do is sign up for your 401k. And make sure you're contributing the maximum that your company's willing to match. Because mm -hmm. if you're not, you're passing up on free money and and you're you're not taking full advantage of all the tax benefits. Yeah. Right? You're not taking advantage of you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right? You hear that a lot mm -hmm. uh, when you're talking to people about their personal financial picture. If you can take the money off the top before it gets direct deposited, forget about it. It's out of sight, out yeah. of mind. It's a, it's almost like a four savings. For sure. So yeah, so as a mortgage loan officer, like these are things that we can do to separate ourselves. I can sit down with John Coleman, who's calling me because he wants to refinance. And when I look at his total picture, I'm like, yeah, I can qualify you for a loan all day long and I can save you a couple hundred bucks a month by lowering your rate. Or, hey, John, have you thought about this? What if we could pay off your credit cards? What if we could pay off that expedition? Hmm. What if I could give you also enough money to have six months reserves? The benefit of six months reserve is that when life throws you a curveball, which it will, which it will, you never have to go back to that credit card mm -hmm. ever again. You need a new transmission. Awesome. Go to the bank of you borrow from yourself at 0% interest and make it a goal that you don't go out and do anything lavish, like buy a new TV, uh, go on a guy's weekend, book a cruise until you've paid yourself back. Right. That six months reserve, man, that's the minute you drop below six, you should have an uneasy feeling. Because that's your safety net. That's your, ready? If you have six months of your lifestyle in reserve, you never need short-term disability. So financial advisors will always try to like sell you disability insurance. Mm -hmm. Hopefully your employer offers disability insurance. Most employers do. And that disability insurance is typically long-term. What that means is after 90 days of you being injured and not being able to come back to work, that's when your long-term disability policy would kick in. Mm -hmm. And a long-term disability policy typically pays up to 60% of your salary, and it typically has a cap on it. So, for example, if you're salaried at $60,000 a year, mm -hmm. your long-term disability policy, A, wouldn't kick in until day 91 of you being disabled and unable to return to the workforce. 
but B, it's only going to pay you $36,000 a year. That's 60%. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say you're a top producing loan officer. You're a one percenter and you're making 300 grand a year. And let's say something catastrophic happened and you're unable to return to work, Yeah. right? You have terrible vertigo, crazy headaches. It could have been brain trauma, brain injury. Mm -hmm. You know, life happens. It's unfortunate. Well, please know that long-term disability policy typically is 60% of your pay, but it may cap out at like a hundred grand. Mm. So good news is there's a hundred thousand dollars of income coming in. Bad news is it's not the 300 you're used to making and it's not $180,000, which is 60% yeah. of 300. Yeah. So these are things that you have to prepare for in life. If you have six months reserve, you don't need yeah. to ever have short-term disability. Right? That'll yeah. save you. Like There's people who pay money for short-term disability. You don't need to pay for short-term disability insurance if you yeah. have six months reserve. Yeah. Right? So Josh, as the person, dude, you need six months reserve. Josh, when you're talking to your clients, go next level on them and teach them this stuff. Yeah. Teach them about six months reserve. Mm. Before you pay off credit cards, you get six months reserve. You quit using your credit cards. You figure out what's going sideways yeah. in your life that you're using credit cards and the balances are growing, right? You have to make some adjustments. Some, maybe some spending habits need to be changed. Yeah. But you quit paying your credit cards or not. No, you never <laughs> yeah, quit paying. Yeah, you quit using your credit cards. Yeah. You save your six months reserve. Once you have six months reserve, then you start tackling your credit cards. Nice. You make sure that you are investing in your 401k, especially if your company matches. Now, if you're Josh and you had a breakout year, let's say you closed 20 million last year. Let's say you made 200 grand, 250 grand. Even if your employer only matches 50 cents on the dollar up to 3%, mm -hmm. you may choose to max out your 401k. High five. Mm -hmm. Like that's awesome. Maxing out meaning going to 19 grand. Mm -hmm. Most times when I say max out the, the 401k, it might just be put in the maximum that your employer is willing to contribute yeah. because you don't always want to have all your eggs in, yeah. in one basket. And your 401k might not, it might limit you on the avenues where you can invest. This is where having a financial advisor in your back pocket really matters because mm -hmm. a financial advisor may look at what your 401k offers and they may say, you know what? Your situation states put in the full 19 grand, mm -hmm. assuming your income allows for it. My situation with my 401k and my employer might mean, yeah, you know what, Dio, just put in what your company's willing to match. Mm -hmm. Let's use an IRA for the rest of the money because... I don't like your investment choices in your 401k, but I love the investment choices in this particular IRA. Hmm. You may big dog ball it and say, ah, uh, I'm going 19 grand into the 401k. I'm putting six grand into my wife's IRA. I'm putting six grand into my IRA mm -hmm. or my spouse's IRA. Even if your spouse doesn't work, right? Maybe their job is, is that of homemaker, mm -hmm. right? I, I uh, affectionately say the job that pays and hugs and kisses, yeah. right? Um, you can still contribute. Like it's still a way to, to put money into vehicles that will grow over time. Hmm. Speaking of grow over time, part of Josh's request was law 72. Yeah. So we've talked about this again, but you know, teaching your clients about law of 72, rule of 72, law of mm -hmm. 72. I've heard it both ways. Um, understanding what it is, but being able to convey it to, to, to someone else. I'm going to ask you, John Coleman, do you remember mm -hmm. Rule of 72. Something like your income will double every something or other. Okay, good. Yeah, one more year of these podcasts and we'll get you, we'll get you on track. 
I think, yeah, after so many things, your 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 money will double after X Y Z. Cool. So let's go assets versus income. Okay. Um, because we're talking about your assets. Okay. Okay. When you look at how much money you have saved. Okay. Whether you have it saved in a mutual fund, an ETF. Um, your own E-Trade account mm -hmm. where you have a, a diverse portfolio of equities or stocks that you've purchased, your 401k or your IRA. Mm -hmm. What I'm not talking about here is cash. Because okay. cash doesn't earn you diddly. Mm. At least in today's world. Correct. If we go back to the late 70s, cash could have been earning you like 18%. That's outrageous. But right now, there's there your, your cash accounts are, are hedges. Not for this show, mm -hmm. but they're hedges that are used in your total investment or wealth building portfolio. Cash is what you use as your security blanket, your six months reserve. So money market account, savings account, checking, checking accounts. That's, mm -hmm. Those are cash accounts. But the law of 72 states that your money, if you want to figure out how often it doubles, take your average rate of return, divide it into 72, and that'll tell you how many years mm. your money will double. So the easiest example, granny passed away and granny left you and your five cousins $10,000 a piece. You took that $10,000 and you put it into an ETF, okay? Or a mutual fund, or you opened up a E-Trade account and you bought Home Depot, Disney, Amazon and Apple stocks, mm -hmm. right? Just four blue chip stocks right there. If you didn't touch that money and you wanted to figure out, well, how quick or how slow mm -hmm. will this money double? All you have to do is take your average rate of return and divide it into 72. So I know you are a tech guy. I know you're a marketing guy. Math is not. Math is not your thing. Do you <laughs> mind if I throw you on the spot? Yeah, of course. Okay. So I said earlier that um, an average rate of return is 8%. 8%, got it. Okay. Eight mm -hmm. goes into 72, mm -hmm. how many times? Nine times. Nine times. Wow. Okay. okay, so that $10,000 that Granny left you mm -hmm. in 2021, mm -hmm. when you invested it into a diversified stock portfolio, an ETF, or a mm -hmm. mutual fund, it would become 20 grand in how many years? You just told I it know, to me. Nine. nine years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. Law of 72, I, I, yeah. rule of 72. Take your average rate of return, divide it into 72. It'll let you know how often that money doubles. doubles yeah. Okay. So I like to use um, a more conservative number than eight. Okay. 7.2. God. Well, because 7.2 times 10 is, is 72. 72. Okay, okay, okay. So basically, if I invested my money and it was diversified in for the most part, what would be called moderate risk investments, mm -hmm. then over the course of time, every 10 years, my money's going to double. Now, if I knock it out of the park and I'm, I'm averaging an, a rate of return of 10% or 11%, then my money's doubling every seven or, you know, yeah. 7.2 years. Hmm. But if I wanted to just think conservative, granny's money in, in 10 years is 20 grand mm -hmm. and 20 years is 40 grand and 30 years is 80 grand. And in 40 years, it keeps doubling. It doubles, yes. But when you say it like that, I finally get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, when you say, like, oh, wait a minute, from 20 to 40, no, it doesn't grow by 20. It doubles each time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Damn. So like, like, like rule of 72, law of 72. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of just compound interest in general. Go to the Google machine, <laughs> type in compound interest calculator. Mm-hmm. Money, I think it's called Money Chimp or something like that, mm-hmm. is one that pops up all the time. Okay. Like I use it. I love to look at my current portfolio and I love to run these like um, probabilities. Well, mm-hmm. if I were able to save this much per year for the next 12 yeah. years, how much would I have? Yeah. If I was able to save less than that, if I was able to save more than that, mm-hmm. run those probabilities based on your age, based on when you want to retire. By the way, Shout out to all my financial advisor friends out there. Like they can do this for you. Like they have the supercomputers that run this. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to have fun running numbers and geeking out a little bit, you can do this. Like imagine, uh, imagine you make $60,000 a year Mm -hmm. and you're contributing 6% into your 401k. So 6% of 60,000 is 3,600. Your employer is matching 50 cents on the dollar. That's another 1,800. Mm -hmm. So you're at 36 plus 18. That's over $5,000 a year Mm -hmm. that you have invested into a 401k that should be earning you on average 8% per per year. And you work, very few of us work for our same employer for 30 years. But you work for an employer, mm-hmm. right? You may change every five to seven years. I've been here at Waterstone for 13. I'm not planning on going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm the anomaly. Maybe this is the new normal. Mm-hmm. Only time will tell. But imagine even at 36 years mm-hmm. old, you did this for the next 30 years. You wanted to retire at 66 or mm-hmm. 67. Imagine how much money you would have just by doing that. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Now, we could get out a calculator right now. We could Google and just do a compound mm-hmm. interest and say, John, how much are you starting with? Well, if I'm starting with zero, here's what I'll have yeah. in 30 years. Oh, well, you know what? I have 10 grand from my previous employer. It's sitting in this account. Okay, so you're starting with 10, but if you're going to contribute yourself 3,600, your employer's matching 1,800, yep. 50 cents on the dollar, then, then what does that leave you with? And then you start thinking, but man, what if every time my income grows... I add more. I add more, and it might not be to your 401k. You may choose to only put 3%. Now, by the way, when your income goes from 60 grand a year to 72 grand a year, your 6% goes up, right? Because 6% of 72 yeah. is a much greater number. Um, but it might be at that point that you're like, you know what? I would like to have some kind of a, a second retirement vehicle. Hmm. That's when you'd go IRA. Like, what if you macked it out and you're like, dude, I'm killing it. I have my six months reserve, I have no credit card debt. And I'm maxing out my 401k. I'm maxing out an IRA. Maybe you can have a managed account. A managed account is where you just give uh, a financial advisor, or maybe you go out and do it, do it on your own, and you find yourself a, an ETF fund mm-hmm. or a mutual mm-hmm. fund, and you can set it up to where it's just an auto draft every month mm-hmm. out of your bank account. It could be 80 bucks, it could be 60, or it could be 200, and you can just set it up. It becomes part of your monthly bill, just like that student loan was once a part of your your, your bill until you paid it off. <laughs> When you pay off your student loans, here's an idea, guys. When you pay off your student loans, go ahead and take that monthly expense. And add it. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah, and, and, and add it. I had this credit card bill for umpteen years that I was just so used to paying. And then once you pay it off, yeah, just apply that same payment because you've lived with it for so long anyway. Apply that to a savings account and then boom. Yep. Um, lastly, I talked a lot about how you could uh, maximize a cash out refi to really turn someone's financial picture around. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I believe in that, like wholeheartedly. Um, I've 
uh, plugged this company before, but I'm pretty sure Mortgage Coach has um, some technology that you can subscribe to that would actually help you do this, maybe even some trainings that would help you do this. Uh, last episode, we talked a lot about um, MBS Highway, mm -hmm. Barry Habib's company. I'm pretty sure there are certain tools and trainings that could you know, mm -hmm. point someone in the right direction if you're an originator trying to take it to the next level. Um, but please know you can do this with a purchase as well. Right, so I have, I have two different scenarios on on the mm -hmm. purchase side of things. Um, I've had people come to me that, for whatever reason, they had saved a boatload of money, just a boatload, like hundred plus grand. Right. Like, yeah, we're gonna buy this house for you know three hundred thousand dollars, and we, we want to put one fifty down. Hmm. I'm like, awesome. Like, okay, Sh shouldn't be an issue. But hey, Mister or Mrs. Borrower, let me just you know, introduce you to something. Mortgage rates currently are like super cheap. And for every 10 or 20 or grand that you finance, you're only talking about an extra 45 or 50 or 45 or, or $85 a month, depending yeah. on if it's, you know, 10 or 20 grand. I'm curious, how do you feel you are within the rest of your wealth building total picture? Mm -hmm. Like, and like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I don't, like you out of curiosity, are you happy with where you are for retirement? Are you happy with where you are? Cause I'm looking at your credit report and I see that you're carrying some, some credit card debt and, you have some cars financed, and um, yeah, I noticed that you have you know two kids that are going to be going off to high school. Like, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but you know I know a few. Have you considered putting down a little bit less in order to pay off those credit cards, in order to leave yourself with at least six months reserve, mm -hmm. in order to maybe open an IRA for for you and Mister, and possibly even a 529. For your children, by the way, 529. There you go, Josh. You need to know as a loan officer what a 529 is. A 529 is a savings vehicle for kids' college education. So as a parent, I had a choice to make. My first choice was, do I want to save money for my kids' college education? And in the early years, it was no. It wasn't. Sorry, Jackson. Sorry, Kendall. Like, it wasn't a priority. I knew they could live at home with me and my wife, and they could go to the local university, mm -hmm. and, and they could work part-time. They could earn scholarships. There was a way for them to go to college. If there's a will, there's a way. There was a way for them to do it. Mm -hmm. As I got older, I was like, you know what? Nah. We're hitting some buckets. You know, we've, we've checked off the six months reserve. We checked off the no credit card debt. Mm -hmm. We're putting money away to a, to a, to a 401k. We're putting money into an IRA. You know what? I would like to at least have something. It may only be 80 bucks a month, but it's something. Mm -hmm. And we went and we chose a 529. Other um, people may choose to use their state's uh, prepaid college, college plan. Mm -hmm. Not every state's have it. I think Georgia does. I know, I know Florida does. Um, but that, that, that was something that we made that decision on. And if you're talking to that person who is looking to buy a house and for whatever reason has a boatload of money, maybe they inherited it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was some kind of an insurance claim. Maybe they got into a car accident. Who knows how people got their money, but they got it. And they have it in their mind. I want to put a bunch of money I'm going to go put it all down. I want, all, yeah. Yeah, I want the cheapest monthly payment. I'm like, do you want the cheapest monthly payment? Or do you want to make sure that you're debt-free and wealthy in 10, 15, or 25 years? Well, Dio, when you put it like that, I never really thought about it like that. I just thought I had a boatload of cash, and I wanted the lowest, lowest gosh darn rate, and I just wanted to put it all down and here yeah. we are. Yeah. 
Well, no, and we hear that a lot mm -hmm. as, as loan officers. I think it's on us to at least introduce people to the ideas mm -hmm. and point them in the right direction. Again, we're not financial advisors, so we can't get too in-depth with that we're know-it-alls. I'm like, hey, look, let me introduce you to some concepts. That's a concept you should be introduced to someone purchasing a home. It's not just when they're doing a cash-out refi. Yeah. Same thing goes, oh, and, and usually that is the case. Usually the, the people inherited that money. Yeah. So they're sitting on it. They're not used to having money. So in their mind, hey, the smartest thing to do is put it all down on a house. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, that's not the smartest thing to do. The mm -hmm. smartest thing to do is pay off your credit card debt, is to get six months reserve. It could be to pay off that auto loan if you're financing it at 6.7%. Mm. It could be to um, open up an IRA for him and her. It could be to open up a 529 for the kids. Like there's mm -hmm. other things you should be doing with that money. So then the other way is you have someone who is selling their home, right? We have someone who I want to sell my home and I want to take all of the equity mm -hmm. and I want to roll it into the, into the new house. I had this, some of my favorite clients ever. Um, they came to me, they had their house free and clear. Mm -hmm. It's worth like 225 grand free and clear. They were moving up, moving across town and buying a home for 400. Okay. And in their mind, they're like, oh my God. Yeah, that's a four hundred thousand dollar house. We have to put all this money down. Yeah, all two hundred twenty-five. Again, let me introduce you to some concepts. And these were people who had two car loans, a camper, mm -hmm. a boat, mm -hmm. and it's like sixteen thousand dollars in credit card debt, and no money in reserve. Damn. Oh, and by the way, no retirement. And they were both in their forties. And by the way, they didn't work professionals. Like, like I have friends that are cops. I have friends that are teachers, yeah. friends that are firefighters, friends that one of my, my closest friends, Doug's, he works for the United Auto Workers Union. Mm -hmm. Like folks like that, when they don't have that much in retirement, I don't sweat it for them because they have that thing called a pension. Mm. You know, pensions are forever. So with that pension, they know that for the rest of their life, they're going to receive four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. They're rare. Very few of us in today's age have a pension. We have to have some kind of retirement. Mm -hmm. And my, my two clients were a realtor and a hairdresser. Neither one of those professions typically even comes with a W-2. You're typically 1099, like you're on your own. Yeah. So what we did for them is say, hey, look, let's put 20% down. So let's, instead of putting 225 grand down on that $400,000 purchase, let's put 80 grand down. Now let's go ahead and earmark $30,000 to go into a, a money market account. That's going to be your six months reserve. Let's go ahead and pay off that $16,000 in credit card debt. Let's go ahead and look at the monthly payments. How many months are left in the interest rate on both your cars, your boat, and your camper? We ended up paying off one. Mm -hmm. It was a truck, actually, and the camper. We didn't touch the boat because the boat only had like 14 months left. Mm -hmm. um, and the other car was financed fairly reasonably that it just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And then we took the rest of the money and they each opened up an IRA. Hold on, so, so there's some scenarios where someone, an individual would sell a house, get the money, and then want to put all of it into like the next house with, and still carry over all that debt that they had yes. and all that stuff. And then yes. LOs would be out there and be like, sure, I'll get you this yeah. right, knowing that they had all this back in debt. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, carry it on over. So they'd still have the debt. Yeah, they have I mean, it, inexperienced LOs, which look, we we all at one point yeah. were brand new. I'm not knocking people who are inexperienced, yeah. but inexperienced LOs might be like, sure. And just, yeah, and just, damn, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, wait a minute. I have a client for life. We have done seven other loans, two for them yeah. and five from their friends and family or, or their clients. Yeah, like the 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 lady who's a hairdresser. Oh, yeah. 
refers to this all the time. Like people are sitting in her chair. I think I think she may just be a walking, talking advertisement <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the Owen Murphy team at yeah. Waterstone Mortgage. Interesting. So they could yeah, so they changed their life. Yeah, that is a life changing thing. From like yeah, I got you. From going from yeah, I can get you this rate into this house. For like yes, I can. But I could also get you into that house while paying off all your debt, while doing all this, while having you start saving money. It almost sounds like like a, like a gimmick. It's, but it's not. But it yeah. sounds like almost too good to be true, should I say. Yes. The, these are my favorite clients. Like, these are by far th- those and first-time home buyers. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, when you're able to truly impact someone's life in a positive manner. The first-time home buyer who came in because they didn't think they ever could be able to buy a house and you show them that they can and that they are ready. Yeah. Because home ownership is the number one way to wealth creation. I mean, period, end of story. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you know, the, the people who inherited a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and you witness that they're getting ready to make a decision that they think, they honestly yeah. think is the best decision, and you're just using the little bit of knowledge that you've gained in this profession to mm-hmm. give them a little wink and a nod and a heads up, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not a financial advisor, but I know one. But hey, I, yeah. yeah you may want to reconsider this. Yeah. Have you thought, once you start showing people the numbers, they're like, hmm. They're like, whoa, mind blown. Yeah. I can't wait to run home and talk to my spouse about this. They didn't teach me this in school. Yep. Same. And so you, you have the people that inherited money. Yeah. You have the people that are calling in and just about a simple, hey, rates are lower. I want to lower my monthly payment. You look at their situation, you're like, not only can I lower your monthly payment, but I could change your life. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people who, for whatever reason, all of their wealth is tied into their home. Mm-hmm. They're selling it. They're going to, free up that cash because that's always the problem the problem with having all your money tied into your home is that it's tied into your home how do you get that money out there's no like swipe a card and it spits cash out it's not like a stock that i could click a button and the funds are available within a few minutes it's not like a mutual fund that i could click a button and i have the funds in two or three days Mm -hmm. good luck getting money out of your house Mm -hmm. i mean to get it quickly you then have to sell your home at a discount Mm -hmm. selling a home at a discount that may cost you 20, 30, 40 grand. Like what? Mm. That's why it's imperative that we have other money sitting on the sidelines. So and I'm going to wrap it up this way, just as like a, a reminder, um, kind of checklist run through. Loan officers, when you're talking to your clients, you have to know what a 401k is, what a 403b is, the difference between a traditional IRA and, an, and, and a Roth IRA, the benefits of a Roth IRA the maximum someone can contribute to either IRA. You should also understand that there's a thing called a catch-up. If you are over a certain age, and the age is, don't quote me on this, somewhere around 55, those of us under 55 can only put $19,000 into a 401k, but other people, if they're over that age, there's a catch-up provision that allows them to put in more than $19,000. Understand that 19 grand into a 401k might be a very bad idea for some, but not contributing to an IRA, to a 401k at all is a, is a very a, bad, bad idea, idea for, for uh, yeah, yeah for, for yeah for 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 most, most right um understand the law of 72 run numbers on compound interest study what an amortization schedule looks like where you can show someone that of their mortgage payment only x amount of dollars is going towards interest in year 1 x in year 3 x in year 5 x in year 7 Show that person how mortgage interest decreases every year while the interest earned on investments increases every year, Hmm. right? There's a lot of things that if you just understand basic personal financial principles Mm -hmm. can allow you 
to separate yourself from the competition. When your client comes and talks to you, ask them questions about, hey, what's your comfort monthly payment? How much money have you, do you have allocated to go towards this transaction? And then push them a little bit. Ask them questions. Oh, out of curiosity, why are you putting down $30,000? No, because, you know, it's a large number. I wanted to... Yeah, because sometimes $30,000, like, well, that's what I had saved. I'm like, okay, but 10% on, for your transaction yeah. is 25000 it doesn't really make that much sense for you to put the extra five grand down because that extra five grand is only going to save you roughly $22 a month. I think looking at your, your situation, I personally would feel more comfortable having that five grand sitting in my yeah, savings yeah. account. Rather than sitting on the shingles yeah. in my house that I can't re withdraw from. Yeah, because yeah. that person might not have their six months reserve. So loan officers, if you don't understand those simple concepts, and you need to. You mm -hmm. need to understand the most basic simple uh, concepts of, of personal finance. I would tell you to start with yourself and to go sit with a financial advisor. Start listening and becoming a student to what they're teaching you. You then can go re regurgitate that to your clients. Mm -hmm. As long as you throw out the asterisk and the caveat that, hey, I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, also, loan officers. And by the way, if you're not a loan officer, this applies to you as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Everything that I'm teaching, like you could be the person who is, could use a cash out refinance. You could be the person who is going to inherit a bunch of money mm -hmm. and want to put it all down on, on your home purchase. And maybe that doesn't make a good, good, good financial sense. You could be the person who has your home paid off and you're getting ready to sell it because you're going to move across town and upgrade. And you may be thinking it's a great idea mm -hmm. to put all of that equity into the new home, but maybe you should only be putting a portion of it into the new home and using the other money to set yourself on the path of financial freedom. Right. Loan officers, that's the type of service you should be giving your clients. You should be looking at their picture in totality. Mm -hmm. So Josh in Tallahassee, we're running out of time. I hope this at least scratched the itch enough. If it didn't, you've already reached out to me once. Reach out to us again. Yeah. You know, shoot, shoot us an email, post a comment on YouTube. Um, if you're listening for the first time, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can watch us on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram. Follow me on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and follow us on Facebook. We are at the Loan Officer Podcast on LinkedIn. I am Dustin Owen, or the, the Loan, Loan Officer, Officer Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. We're pretty easy to find. Google's a great resource. Um, we appreciate all listener and viewer feedback and comments, even those that troll us. Yes, sir. But that's all we have for today. Mm -hmm. We're going to turn around and do another episode. So keep tuning in. Keep giving us feedback. And please continue to share and like what we're doing. Sure. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. And we're out. Peace. Hey.